Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris, and as always, it's good to be back at the start of a brand new year at the movies. The possibilities are endless. But of course, the previous movie year never ends conveniently at the close of December. It carries on into the new year with the big holiday blockbusters like Avatar and Puss in Boots. And 2022 won't be truly over until the major awards season, the Golden Globes, the BAFTAs and the Oscars. Once again this year, they all seem to be in general agreement over the major contenders. I wish to promote you, Mr Presley. Are you ready to fly? I'm ready. Ready to fly. Tomorrow, all of America will be talking about Elvis Presley. Elvis, the Banshees of Inner Sharon and the aptly titled Everything Everywhere All at Once were unanimously picked for all three of the awards, as well as the extraordinary Tar starring Kate Blanchett, which we'll look at a little later in this show. Antonio Brico, who by all accounts was an incredible conductor, but was ghettoized into the non-glamorous status of a guest conductor and essentially treated as a dog act. The general, rather knee-jerk response to this year's Oscar nominees has been a perceived lack of diversity. This after a number of years in which people of colour and women filmmakers were notably rewarded. Well, the 2023 batch can be accused of plenty of things, but lack of diversity is hardly one of them. Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. The best film category alone boasts films from German, Irish, Australian and Swedish directors. Everything Everywhere is a tribute to Asian cinema, as is Best Animated Nominee Turning Red. And Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is far more Italian fascist than Disney feel-good. Guide him to be good. It's not the diversity issue that makes these Academy Awards, and for that matter the British BAFTAs, unusual. It's the shortage of well-made, medium-budget Hollywood movies, usually the mainstays of the Oscars, crowded out by decidedly minority fare on the left and gigantic juggernauts like Avatar on the right. The way of water connects all things. Before your birth... And after your death. This is our home! 
Last week, Dan Slevin gave us an admirably concise rundown of the big tickets of the holiday season, many of them featuring strongly among the awards. Avatar joins Top Gun Maverick and the German war epic All Quiet on the Western Front among the ten best film nominees. But of the rest, only Baz Luhrmann's Elvis is remotely predictable as a finalist, though his treatment of the king of rock and roll is more a burlesque show than rhythm and blues. Still, what you lost in musical authenticity, you certainly gained in feverish excitement. In that moment, I watched that skinny boy transform into a superhero. Many of the other nominees are decidedly odd picks from the usually play-it-safe movie academy. For instance, you wouldn't think the Banshees of Inner Sharon, a brutal allegory of the Irish capacity for starting a fight in an empty room, would mean much outside the Emerald Isle. Can't be waiting round for any more of this madness. Ah! Let's just call it quits. We won't call it quits. We'll call it the start. Who knew there were so many Irish voters in Hollywood? Equally minority taste, you'd think, would be that melange of Asian cult movies, everything, everywhere, all at once. I suspect audiences were drawn less by the kung fu spectacle and multiverse madness than by the pleasure of seeing two well-loved B-movie veterans, Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis, get a belated chance to shine in starring roles. Mrs Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. See where this story is going? A number of commentators have pointed out how many first time nominees are featured in the four acting categories. There are veterans like Michelle, Brendan Gleeson in Banshees, and Bill Nye finally in a film called Living. And there are up and comers like Elvis's Austin Butler, and possibly the second best Marilyn Monroe ever after Marilyn herself, Anna de Armas in Blonde. How'd you get your start? Baby, what start? In movies. Continental. But diamonds are a girl's best friend. I guess I was discovered. There are a few of the usual suspects among the nominees, notably Oscar regulars Kate Blanchett for Tar and Michelle Williams playing essentially Steven Spielberg's mother in The Fablemans. You always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! Now there's been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! Family, art, it'll tear you in two. Given the fact that several of the Oscar nominees have yet to reach our shores, Living, Triangle of Sadness, the highly touted After Sun and The Whale, it's possibly premature to start predicting. But I'd like to offer my two cents for a tiny little film from Ireland, weighing in against far bigger titles in the international feature section. 
It was a personal highlight last year, the mostly all-Irish-language heartbreaker, The Quiet Girl. Frankly, I'd pick that over the banshees of Inna Sharon, despite that film's heavyweight talent in front of and behind the camera. But these days I'm drawn to the smaller scale more than usual, smaller and more historic. Inna, you're some sort of apparition. I've been trying to work out why you're here. I wonder if it's because you're lost. I know I can find him. Who? Richard. Richard who? Sorry, uh, the third. The king? Yes. Director Stephen Frears, star Sally Hawkins, writer-actor Steve Coogan, and the famous unearthing of the last Plantagenet King of England, Richard III. I don't think there's any way the delightful lost king could have been any more aimed at me. Frears offers a typically English portrait of triumph through eccentricity. Up for no awards, I notice, which in some ways is part of the appeal. It's the body of an adult male. Boys, your mother's just found Richard III. And I'm here today to tell you a story about a person who is judged unfairly in life. One thing you can't help noticing about these awards nominees is how few of them came from the streaming services this year. Last year, many of the big winners, notably Power of the Dog and Coda, barely got a viewing in cinemas, all going directly to Netflix, Neon, Apple and the rest. Well, not so this year. Paul Of the big nominees, only Netflix's All Quiet on the Western Front came from a streaming service. Most of the rest, big and small, did it the old-fashioned way, screening in the sort of cinema that features in BAFTA nominee Empire of Light. So if I run the film at 24 frames per second, it creates an illusion of motion. illusion of life. So you don't see the darkness. Actually, the most interesting, or at least most unpredictable titles this summer were in the animation section. Since live-action family movies are pretty much a thing of the past these days, during the holidays it was mostly wall-to-wall animation. A guy always lands on his feet. What? You are down to your last life. Mama Luna's always on the lookout for a new lapcat. I am no lapcat. I am Pussy Boots. Not anymore. Meow. Now, in the past, Disney Pixar were unquestionably the quality house. They were the Rolls-Royce of animation. Their rivals' DreamWorks were always the try-hard runner-up, with everyone else tying for 10th, until last year. Disney's misfiring strange world underachieved on every level while turning red went straight to Disney+. Plus. This summer, the big winner was DreamWorks, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. 
everyone is looking for a wishing star. I'm going to wish for everything to be just right. You will find your reward does not come easily. Not only was Puss a commercial smash hit, it was actually good. Far better than the messy trailer might lead you to expect. There are a few celebrity voices, Antonio Banderas, Salma Hayek, Florence Pugh and Olivia Colman. But Puss in Boots is mostly about good characters, good ideas and good jokes. In other words, what we used to get from Pixar. Kitty's off balls. I need your help. Whenever I team up with you, things go wrong. Cool! Another member of the team! I'm Puss's therapy dog! Definitely not! Finally! You need therapy! <laughs> I was also intrigued by an English-German co-pro called The Amazing Maurice, partly because it was the first Terry Pratchett book I ever read and started me on a lifetime love affair with the Discworld books. So could animation beat the curse of Pratchett adaptations? The original fairy tales are all the same. The princess, the hero... But this story... is a little different. Sadly, no. Despite the best efforts of the talented animators and a voice cast including Hugh Laurie as a cat, Amelia Clarke as a sparky heroine, Gemma Arterton and longtime Pratchett fan David Tennant. Pratchett's novels remain pretty much unfilmable, or at best near misses like the TV series Good Omens and The Amazing Maurice. There has to be a clue that would advance the plot. The world doesn't have a plot. Things just happen. <laughs> Are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right, because I landed on my head. But tucked away behind Maurice, Puss in Boots and bargain basement fare like Tad the Explorer 2 and Big Trip 3 was the oddest thing I saw all holidays. It's called Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I know. All right, so I'm making like a little documentary. Oh, it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it. Mm. No. Marcel started out in life small, a four-minute stop-motion film about a talking shell with shoes on. There were two more shorts and now this full-length feature. All the films were directed by Dean Fleischer-Camp, who wrote them with Jenny Slate, the voice of Marcel. She sounds like a smart six-year-old, which I suppose is the point. Tell me about what's life like. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket, and that's why I don't like the saying everything comes out of the wash, because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, and they're just like a completely different person. We're told Marcel used to live with a bunch of other little shells. Well, mostly shells. But now there are just Marcel and his grandmother, Nana Connie. Connie is voiced by Isabella Rossellini. Is this the year of unexpectedly brilliant performances from middle-aged actresses? What would my family think? Do you think they could be out there? Marcello, let's forget about being afraid. Just take the adventure. Okay, let's do it. It seems so. The other major speaking role, apart from Dean Fleischer-Camp himself, who spends the whole film trying to keep out of his own documentary, is longtime stalwart of TV current affairs show 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl. Come on, Nana Connie, do the noise. So, it's actually only two of us now. Myself and my grandmother, Nana Connie. 
me like to watch 60 Minutes because Leslie Stahl is fearless. Nana, make the noise. Tick, 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 tick. I have to confess that when I saw there was a film in the smaller local cinemas called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, I wasn't too excited about the prospect. It felt like one of those arty cartoons from East Europe that used to clutter up the BBC schedules back in the 60s. Hi, everybody. It's Marcel. I'm recording this video because I'm looking for my family. But it turns out I couldn't be more wrong. It's absolutely adorable. In fact, any film that can get you engaged in something as unlikely as a small clamshell with one animated eye is clearly something special. Marcel the Shell and the search for a family reunited. Ah. Marcel, how long has it been since you've seen your family? I couldn't tell you, but a space in my heart gets bigger and louder every day. Hmm. Do you know how long? That's two years. Two years. Yeah. Oh, that's nice to know. And I'm delighted to report Marcel the Shell with Shoes On has been nominated for every award going this year. If there were any justice, well, you know how that phrase usually turns out. But despite your probable prejudices, which I admit I fully shared, I urge you to winkle out Marcel if you can find it. It's a winner. so many places that they could be. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. You are beautiful. There must be so many others like me. The big ticket this week was the oddly accented tar. There's an acute over the A. The story of a conductor at the height of her career, played by an actor at the height of hers. It's Kate Blanchett, and many critics are saying this is her greatest performance ever. Well, considering her many awards, including seven Oscar nominations and two wins to date, this is saying something. is the thing. Time is the essential piece of interpretation. Tar is written and directed by Todd Field, one of those faintly familiar names that you mix up with other movie Todds like Phillips, Salance and Haynes. Todd Field wrote and directed a terrific film called In the Bedroom over 20 years ago. And I do remember him as an actor in films like Nicole Holofcener's Walking and Talking. But this is his first movie on either side of the camera in 16 years. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tarr is many things. As a conductor, Tarr began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she at last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. There's an assurance about the film that belies all those years away. Field knows precisely the story he wants to tell, and he opens by breaking the first commandment of a biopic, Show Don't Tell. Tar's first scene is a lengthy, a very lengthy interview by real-life critic Adam Gopnik of fictitious conductor Lydia Tarr, talking about her life and times. Mind you, if it was good enough for Citizen Kane, it's clearly good enough for Todd Field. In 2013, Berlin elected Tarr as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. 
Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. But we've already had some indication of how Lydia deals with her apparently pampered life. She treats underlings like her long-suffering PA Francesca with disdain and her focus, you might call it an obsession, on her vision and getting her own way is clearly at the expense of everyone else. How's the writing going? Not so well. I keep hearing something... Schopenhauer measured a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise. Lydia has an important concert recording coming up, as well as a highly anticipated book. And there are politics at home, too. Her wife, Sharon, the wonderful Nina Hoss, is also the first violin of her orchestra, essentially her deputy conductor. Aside from their working relationship, there are issues with the couple's adopted daughter. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. But that's all backstory in a way, because Tar isn't just about life among the privileged rich or even the recent rise of top women conductors in a field previously dominated by men, though it touches on all these. It's about someone with almost total control in her world. A musician masters an instrument, a conductor masters an entire orchestra, often an entire audience as well. So how does she handle a threat to that control? I received another weird email. There's no reason to get caught up in any intrigue. In an early scene, we see her leading a class for budding conductors and cruelly dismissing the rather shallow opinions of one of her students. But she doesn't know, and we do, that now almost everything she does is being watched and often filmed by the ever-present smartphone. You play really well. But nowadays, white male cis composers, just not my thing. Don't be so eager to be offended. Tar makes a point of playing with us. It opens with minutes of credits, the sort you'd normally walk out on at the end of the movie. The cinema audience gets restless and then impatient, and suddenly we cut to a phone shot of Lydia with snide text messages about her. Who's filming her? Who are they sending it to? Lydia may think she's in charge of her life, but technology is about to prove her wrong. I'm worried She's starting to disappear into herself. You want to dance the mask? You must service the composer. You've got to supplement yourself, your ego, and yes, your identity. Another element of Lydia's messy personal life is the unseen presence of a young former colleague, one that Lydia clearly encouraged for her own reasons and then dismissed when she'd had enough of her. It comes as a shock that the power dynamic in the world of classical music is just as potentially poisonous as it is in Hollywood or anywhere where absolute power can corrupt absolutely. 
You cannot start without me. I start the clock. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means time stops. Does she think she can get away with anything because she's Lydia Tarr? Do art and morality have anything to do with each other? Who says your character has to be flawless before your music can be heard? And how much of a shock is it when Lydia realises that today even the mere rumour of misbehaviour is grounds for cancellation? The reality is that it's not until I once again decide to raise that hand that time is allowed to continue marching along her very merry way. Tara is undoubtedly a masterpiece, though for me, more so on reflection. The more I thought about the film, the more layers were discovered. And that's where star Kate Blanchett lives. Just about every one of her award-winning roles, Queen Elizabeth I, Blue Jasmine, Carol and the rest, are prickly, self-absorbed, hard to love. But she makes us love them anyway. You must, in fact, stand in front of the public and God and obliterate yourself. Lydia Tarr is that role in Excelsis, and she's matched all the way by Nina Hoss as her wife Sharon. Half the film seems to be watching them watch each other, which is why I think Nina was robbed by the Oscars this year. Kate, I suspect, won't be. And that unequivocal Oscar prediction brings this show to a close. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.